So we're in Mark chapter 5. We're going to finish off the chapter, God willing. Now, it's an extended portion. It's 21 right through the end of the chapter. And usually I don't take this big a chunk. And I'm not going to read it. I'm going to pray and we'll just start starting, okay? The, the reason that I'm going to do it all in one time is because it, it's, it's really strange to me. There's nothing like this that I know about in the New Testament. He's dealing with Jairus' daughter, and then we have the woman with the blood flow, and then we have Jairus' daughter, bracketing both ends of this miracle of healing the woman with the blood flow. And it seems to me that they connect in some curious ways and that it should be taken up as, as one kind of you know unit. So that's kind of the reason I'm doing it that way. So let's pray and ask God's blessing on uh, our time in his word. Father, uh, you know, they that build the house, they labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, um, they who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watch the city. So, Lord, I, I think, you know, the best of our intentions, we study in the scripture. And unless your spirit blesses our understanding and our knowledge, I don't think it would be a fruitful time at all. If people here are depending on, upon my wit and wisdom, they're going to be sorely disappointed. But Father, it's your word, and it's it what gives us life and illumination and blessing. And we pray all those things and more, Lord, as you, you know, break the bread of life in a way that we can understand and eat and enjoy and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, last week we talked about the demoniac of Gadara. Uh, strange stuff, I think... Um, it generated some really good discussion in uh, our growth group on Wednesday night. I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, now, he wants to go with. Jesus says, no, go home. Verse 19, to your friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and have had compassion on thee. And so he does that, so much so that next time Jesus is in the area, his great response this time, they ask him to leave. They're afraid of him, you know. They, 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 he's, you know, cleansed them of their, of their pigs, and they don't, they don't want a Jesus like that. They don't want a Savior like that. But he goes and he publishes, in verse 20, in Decapolis, ten cities, how great things Jesus has done for him. And all men did marvel. Now, in verse 21, Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh uh, unto the sea. And he goes back to Capernaum, his adopted hometown as an adult. We know he's born in Bethlehem, he was raised in Nazareth, and when he comes to adulthood, he kind of adopts Capernaum. It's his base of operation. He's back there. And, and the reason I'm emphasizing that, behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. Well, we've met this guy well, we've met his synagogue. This is where Jesus healed the man with the withered hand. And people had a big, big problem with that. Is this one of the guys who had a big problem? We know from this point on that the publicans and the Herodians are plotting to destroy Jesus. Question number one on the homework. You think Jairus was part of that plot? We, we can only suppose. We have no reason to believe that. But, you know, 
I wonder why Jairus comes at the point of death. How long has his daughter been sick? Now, Joe Foch will tell you, and he's, he's the hypothesis is that his wife's saying, will you go see this teacher? Will you go see the rabbi? He, you know, she's getting sick or she's getting sick. And he doesn't go at first. Why? He's got a lot to lose. At this point, they'd already said that Jesus is casting out demons by the prince of demons, Beelzebub. The Jewish hierarchy, the Jewish religious leaders have counted Jesus as demon-possessed. And we talked about that at length. That is the unforgivable. That is the, you can't recover from this. You die in that state. That, no, no. It's not going to go well with you. Not only in judgment, it's not going to go well eternally. And again, get the recordings and listen to them if that's a question that you have. So Jesus, he goes back, and there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And this is a great, this is like a point of no return. Desperation. I, if, I think if, if there was any other way that he could save his daughter, he'd be doing the other way. He besought him greatly, saying, My little, little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Has Jesus raised the dead at this point? Well, the answer to that question is yes. You have to find that out by looking at the Gospel of Luke. And only Gospel of Luke talks about the widow of Nain's son. And if you look in the flow of Luke, when that happens, this happens after that. Does he know that he can raise the dead? I don't know that he knows that. Because one, Nain is about 30-some-odd miles away. It happened months earlier. We don't even know if that news traveled this far. And he's trying to catch Jesus while she's still alive. But he thinks that whatever whatever, uh, Jesus can do this, and this is an act of faith. And again, it's kind of like a point of no return. This is going to cost him socially. But again, he's, he's, he's desperate. And I've seen this in the life of people when they're desperate. I, I, I've told you in the past, you know, people said, hey, will you, will you pray for my mom? She got a bad diagnosis from the doctor and it doesn't look good. And I'm thinking like, I just argued with this guy last week about the existence of God and he wouldn't have any of it. And now he's asking me to pray for his mom. And gentleman that I am, I never say, Pray to who, fool? You don't even believe in God. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Matter of fact, I don't even think like that. The answer is, yeah. I'll pray right there, right then. Grab him, bite by the shoulder, start praying. I, I don't care. You know, what are you going to do? Throw me off the job? Don't threaten me with a good time. You know, I just, I'm, at this point in my life, I am not embarrassed. I am not shy. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray. But that's what the desperation does. I mean, think about the, okay, listen, Fourteen and a half billion years ago, nothing exploded. And we're here. It's just a great, laughable, cosmic accident. You live life and you're just an accident. You're a biological oddity. There is no purpose and then you die and there is no hope. Wow, what a wonderful gospel that is. And people can't live in the reality of that. They really can't. Because then when desperation happens, they look to a higher power, God, whatever. And they look to people who represent. And, and be, that, be that Johnny on the spot, be that man, be that woman who's, and 
and bless them. You know what I mean? That's Some people come into the kingdom that way. He's desperate. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. It's his only daughter. Does it matter? <laughs> okay, if you've got 20 kids, uh, one of them is a great loss, okay? Uh, she's 12. She hasn't even, she's not married. She hasn't lived life. She hasn't, and you know the energy in that uh, 12-year-old brings to a house. And we've had a uh, 12-year-old granddaughter. Uh, she, now she's 14. She's not 12. Still, we'd just as soon keep her around, wouldn't we? I remember when uh, Ken Graves was preaching this, and at that time his daughter was 12, on or about 12, and it was his only daughter. And when he preached it, there was a lot of emotion, as you can well imagine. Well, bring yourself into the situation. You don't even have to have a 12-year-old. Maybe you haven't had children yet, or maybe your children are adult and grown like our children. Maybe it's grandchildren, something like that. But can you imagine just like the, oh, my only daughter, and the heartache, and the, and the, the again, I, I, I come to the word desperation. I can't come up with a better one. And Jesus went with him. Now, think that all the way through. Is Jesus, like, awesome? I mean, we, we stop here and we look at the awesomeness, the compassion, the graciousness, the love of Jesus Christ. Hey, 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 wait a second. Weren't you that guy? I was at your synagogue, and you got all your uh, knickers in an uproar because I healed the guy on the side. Now you're coming to me. Is that what I'm to believe? Now? And said Jesus to no one, never. He goes with. There's a problem. I'm going to go straighten this out. What can I say? And, now there's the interruption of several verses. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. Okay, it was that issue, that one that you would think. It was, okay, menstruation. Because uh, Luke tells us that. Uh, but you've got to look in Greek and stuff like this. But that's the issue. And we kind of kind of thought about that anyway, didn't didn't we? She had an issue of blood 12 years. Wait, what? How, how does that even happen? I don't know. I don't know about medical, because I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm not someone who's expert in these matters. I'm not a medical person. Um, what was her iron stores like? Think about it. How does somebody bleed for 12 years and not die? Uh, she must have been so anemic. But she okay, she'd take some iron supplements and some geritol and she'll be running around no time, right? No such nothing like that, right? She is in she's suffering. And I think the smallest part of her suffering, in my estimation, would be physical. Say so what do you mean? The Bible has a lot to say about women and that time. You can't sleep in the same bed with them. They they sit on a chair, you can't sit on that chair. They're ceremonially unclean. Um, so intimacy at that time? Oh my goodness, no. And there's many verses on that. And there's a week with it of clen cleansing after so that, you know, if people who are kosher and, and do things biblically, you know, Jewish people today, they're only intimate at the most half the month if you think about all the way through. Uh, Twelve years, her husband hasn't been intimate with her. Has he divorced her at this time? We don't know. 
Does she have a family? Does she have a husband? And through the, and, and she has suffered many things of many physicians, but all that she had was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Is that a statement about medicine, how God feels about medicine? I wanted you to look in the Old Testament, one of the questions about like Asa. He went and he sought the physicians, but he didn't seek the Lord when he had disease in his feet, you remember? Is that a statement? Think it all the way through. And by the way, I'm just going to give you the answer, okay? Because I don't, I don't want people coming up with the wrong answer here. I think medicine is wonderful. I really do. You break your arm, go see a doctor. He'll set it. It's wonderful. Okay, any questions? But trust in the Lord. Have faith in the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Now, doctors aren't, they're not God. You know, I look at a surgeon, I think, like, that's a mechanic with stainless steel tools. Uh, I know a little bit about being a mechanic. Okay, you're saying, oh, Adam, that's underselling a little bit. Uh, okay, forgive my semantics, but they're not God. They're, 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 and they know some things, and they've gone to school, and they, and they have great wisdom and medical advancement. It's a wonderful thing. Praise the Lord. We're not out there dying of pneumonia all the time. You know, Civil War time, you get pneumonia, it's a death sentence almost all the time. And now there's so many things. That we're not suffering from smallpox. We're not, there's a lot of things. And I'm glad about medical advancement. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, it's wonderful. But I'm never going to apologize for telling you to trust in God. Going to have a checkup, you're going to see the doctor, you're going in for tests. Pray. He'll do his exam. Pray. And then afterwards, pray. Uh, no apologies to saying that. But Mark tells us, yeah, the physicians had nothing for her. When she heard of Jesus, when she had heard of Jesus come in, uh, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Okay, Jesus is here. She knows he's a miracle worker. And she's going to, and we talk about grabbing hold of the garment. This is just faith. You know, she's not supposed to do this. She's not supposed to be in a crowd bumping up against people. She's, everyone she touches is ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. And so is Jesus. You can't defile Jesus. He touches a leper. He touches dead people. Okay? Even in this chapter. And you can't do that Levitically. Jesus doesn't worry about defilement. You can't defile him. He makes you clean. Okay? That's who he is. It's what he does. He's the Savior. All right? She doesn't know this. Again, what's the one word here? Desperate. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. <laughs> How do you think that? What do you... What do you where, what verse are you operating on? How do you, how do you, okay, this guy, you know, we know about his clothes, and we know about Jewish men's clothes. They have a border of blue around them. And that's uh, from Deuteronomy, I think. I can't remember. I saw it earlier in the week. And that was supposed to remind them of heavenly things. And Jesus said, you know, given the Pharisees, you have wide, you make uh, the borders of your garments wide. You know, I'm so holy. Look at how much blue I have on my garment, you know, is kind of the idea. And Jesus kind of blasts them for that. But I think what she sees is here's a man who's that blue border, which is supposed to remind us of heaven. It really means something to him. And all I get to do is touch that. I don't know how she come, came up with that. I don't know how faith works sometimes. I don't even know how it works in my own life. I mean, I really don't. 
There's no Bible verse that says, you know, if you get uh, the Savior and he's walking through town, all you can do is touch the border of his garment, you'll be fine. I don't know. Straightway the fountain of her, of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Incredible. I'll tell you what's more incredible. Jesus immediately, knowing himself, the virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? One, Jesus never asked a question to find out the answer. Think it all the way through. He's God. He knows everything. But he's challenging the woman to come forward. And look at this virtue. Power has gone out of him. He, he, he understood that power had gone out of him. Wait, what? It makes it look like, it makes it look like, quite independent of the will of Jesus to heal her, she got her healing. <laughs> she grabbed hold of the garment. She's healed, and Jesus had like, I wouldn't say nothing to do with it, but he didn't willfully say, okay, you're healed. It makes it look like that, doesn't it? Is that even possible? Is God giving us a picture of faith? You know, grabbing hold of the garment, as it were? You don't know. These are the questions, like some of the, This is one of the questions, like... So he's... Now look, at she touches his garment, she's gone. She's out of there. I got my healing. Yay. God is awesome. And she's happy and content. And she's suffering no more physically. She's suffering no more physicians. But I'll tell you the worst of it, the thing, the whole, how I see this. If you look in Deuteronomy, and I think I put a bookmark here. I did. This is very common. Look, uh, you, you can follow in Deuteronomy 28 if you want. Or just listen, okay? Whatever you want to do. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, 16. Cursed shalt thou be in the city. Cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shalt uh, be thy basket and thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shalt thou be when thou comest in. Cursed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall send upon thee cursing, vexation, and rebuke in all that thou settest thy hand unto for to do, until thou be destroyed, until thou perish quickly, because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee, until he have consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption, with a fever, with an inflammation, with an extreme burning, with the sword, with blasting, with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Thy heaven that is over thy head shall be brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. And on and on it goes. What, what is going on here? How does this all come upon? Well, these curses. Verse 15, it shall come to pass if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. I understand why Jewish thinking, every time something bad happened, because of verses and passages like this, God's getting you. You're obviously an idol-worshiping, heathen person to have all these things come upon you. Listen, I don't, I don't ever want to perpetuate this. Because I'm the one who says, you remember the blind man and the, the disciples. Was it his sin or was it his parents' sin that caused him to be blind? 
Those are all the options they have. And Jesus says, see, none of the above. It's to the glory of God. You, you realize that. You can't, look, look, look. I always say live a life that God can bless. And I'm hoping I'm not perpetuating some. If you're living in sin with your girlfriend, if you're being extramarital, God's not blessing your extramarital affair. Just, and your spouse finds out, finds out and they divorce you. That's a very cause and effect. I, I can give you that as an illustration. You're single now and you don't want to be because of sin. Okay? We all get that? So very often when something happens to us, we think, oh, God's getting us. God's getting me. God's getting me. And we can point at stuff in our lives and think, and I, I, I don't, you can't do it. You can't. So somebody comes up with COVID, and God's getting you. And somebody's child dies, and God's getting you. And you lose a job, and God's getting you. Listen, I, I got to tell you something. I, I, I lost my job at the beginning of the year, and I was fired. And I made an honest mistake. It wasn't anything. Stealing from the company tail or nothing like that. I mean, I was mistaken. They brought me in the office and fired me. I was more humiliated than I've been in the last easily 10 or 15. There's nothing even in second place that I could think of. I was so, oh, God's getting me. Or, wait till you read the rest of the story. I. He probably added 10 years to my life. It was a highly stressful job. I am much happier. Things are going so much better, gloriously better. Uh, all things work together for good, that them will love the Lord, who the call according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He did predestine to become in the likeness of the image of his Son. Didn't my humiliation perpetuate me becoming more like Jesus Christ? My being humbled with humiliation? I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Was God getting me? I don't think so. I think God got Jesus on the cross on our behalf. I think she's suffering because everyone around us says, well, you got this problem, honey, and you know what the issue is. Stop sinning. Repent. Bring a lamb. Change your life. And she's Probably with God, what have I done? What have I done? Why am I like this? Why has my husband left me? Why nobody? I can't. I'm alone. I haven't been to a birthday party in years. I haven't been to a and, and right. And at the end of the day, God has turned His face away from her, and she's so she's got her healing, yay. But that's not all Jesus has for her. His disciples said, Thou seest the multitude throng in the other side. Who touched me? Everybody who touched me. I mean, come on. He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. Does he know? He always knows. I like people who think like they, they sin in the dark like God doesn't see. Really? Have you thought that all the way through? 
He always knows. He looked round about to see her had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now we know the backstory. Now we know when it happened, what has happened since, that she lost all her money to physicians, all this stuff. Now we know it. And he said unto her, Daughter, now if you don't know the incredibleness of what he just said, Daughter? Now, Jairus is freaking out at this point. Daughter, what about my daughter? Like, get rid of her. We got stuff to go. We got. And listen, 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 listen. Daughter, he doesn't call anybody else daughter in all the scriptures. Look it up. Look at the blue letter Bible. Look up daughter and look at all the places the New Testament appears and see if Jesus is speaking it. He's speaking it. Here exclusively. She's thinking, oh, God's bugged at me. I don't know what I did. Here's God in the flesh. Daughter. Look at she got her healing. I think now she's getting salvation. In my way of looking at it, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now he says to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. There's no evidence of anything like that here. He's not rebuking her in any way, shape, or form. Hey, daughter, he owns her in front of this crowd. Daughter, it's amazing to me. Your faith hath made you whole. And that's the picture. That's the grab and hold of the garment. That's the virtue gone on. That's the whole thing. Connects all the dots. Your faith has made you whole. Now, you know, every time you're sick, there's always going to be somebody, oh, you ain't got enough faith. You're, you know, your problem is your faith. And Stop. Jairus' daughter doesn't have any faith at all. I just want to tell you that, right? Sometimes Jesus heals quite independent of anybody or anything. I hear that, and I just want to just... Uh, I, I, I saw it first when a lady in our church, her husband died of... Uh, What's that blood cancer? What's that called? Uh, leukemia. And she got hold of one of these name it, claim it heretics. And she had convinced herself that the death of her husband was due to her lack of faith. Wonderful theology. Nitwit. I ain't supposed to say stuff like that, am I? Gets me so mad. Bad theology will ruin a person's life. That's not even true, not even a little bit. Have faith and trust God. That's what we're saying. But sometimes it's not a question of faith or, or have, you, have you prayed about somebody and then they died? We did recently. We had a friend die of COVID. And he was dying for a while. He was getting, he's in the hospital. He's getting worse when we were praying. Every time we asked the blessing for our dinner, we were praying. We were praying. And he died. What does that tell you? We have no faith. And everyone else who was praying for him had no faith. Maybe, just maybe, it was God's time to remove our brother from the earth and bring him to heaven. For whatever reason. Because God's been God for a long, long time. And we can second guess him, about, but it's just a, it, it's, it's a fool's errand, I'm telling you. Daughter, your faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Be whole of thy plague. This, in my thinking, is where she gets saved, not just healed. 
While he had spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troubles thou the master any further? Uh, have you had this happen? Bad news. And it comes like a tidal wave in you. You're tumbling about in the foam and trying to find your feet. and It's all, everything's upside down. And uh, is, soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the rule of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he had already seen an example of faith. He's literally saying, stop being afraid, keep believing. Okay? And he's inviting him to faith. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So you got Peter, James, and John, Jesus, fourth, parents, uh, fifth and sixth. So they're all in this, they're all in the house and they're all in this little girl's room. Um, he cometh to the house of the rule of the synagogue and seeing the tum- seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly because he would be wealthy being the ruler of the synagogue. Uh, he would have means. You've got to have, even the poorest, you've got to have, I think it was like two flute players and a whale or something like this. They did this great ceremony of wailing and beating their breath and shrieking and instruments and this was how they, you know, how they carried on. It was, it, that's how it was done in the day. So there's a great tumult. And they wept and wailed greatly. It's all an act. It's not, it's not for real. You see how quickly when Jesus calls them on it, how quickly they mock him. Uh, they laughed him to scorn. Oh, I mean, he said, what? I'm sorry, I skipped a verse. When he, when he was come in, he saith, why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Wait, what? We're professional mourners. We know death. We've seen death. I don't, I don't, what are you, carpenter turned preacher, and you're going to tell us about death? Listen, we do this professionally. And they're, they're mocking him. Many mock God. That's such a bad idea. That's such a bad idea. Uh, you'll stand before this one that you're mocking. And all your little friendies, they laugh. Ha, 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 and as you mock God. But they won't be there at the judgment. Proverbs tells us to put out the mocker and strife ceases. Jesus puts out the mockers <laughs> here. They laughed and was going, would he have put them all out? He's got no place for mockers. That would be a lesson to all of us. We put them all, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them that were with him, that's Peter, James, and John, and entered in where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said to her, Talithakumai, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. I think that's a really poor translation. Uh, And I've told you before, he's saying, little lamb, it's time to get up. He calls her lamb chop, in, in, in essence, or sweetheart, as we would say, or something like that. Say, what makes you say that? Because in case you don't, maybe it's just this morning, something I was looking up. 
Talakumai is a transcription of an Aramaic phrase found in Mark 5.41. Jesus spoke this when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Aramaic was the common everyday language in Israel at the time. Mark interprets the sentence for us. Little girl, I say unto you, get up. <laughs> King James, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And we think like Jesus goes around talking King James English all the time. The account of the healing is also found in uh, Matthew 9, Luke 8. But only Mark records the Aramaic words that Jesus spoke, Talitha Kumai. Talitha is a term of endearment. It is etymologically related to a word that can also mean lamb. Jesus' use of the term, coupled with his taking the little girl by the hand, provides an image of, of compassion and gentleness. The good shepherd is lovingly gathering the lambs in his arms. Doesn't Isaiah 40:11 tell us, you know, he shall uh, gather his flock like a shepherd. He shall, he shall gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that I was young. This is the good shepherd. My little lamb, he says to her as he restores her life, it's time to get up. And that's why he said she's only asleep because she was getting up again. And that's why all through the New Testament we see the word sleep used as a euphemism for death. Why? We're all getting up again. We're all getting up again. Listen, Jesus does this miracle very sparingly. We know three times in the New Testament where he raises somebody from the dead. Okay? Where's he calling them back from? I know we know people have died and would like them to be back in our lives again. If we could talk to somebody who's in heaven now and say, if you had the opportunity, would you come back and be with us? They would freak out. They would no sooner do that than... Imagine being in the presence of Jesus Christ and coming back to this poor earth in all its turmoil and all the things that we deal with all the time. Um, we have attacks by Satan. He tries to get us to sin. He tries to get us to fear. Uh, we have relationships that are we're battling our way through trying to restore. Uh, we, we, we struggle with forgiveness and bitterness and envy and lust and None of that in heaven. Yeah, heaven, you think you're like, hey, that guy's got a bigger dwelling place than I've got. What's going on here anyway? You think you have trouble with like lack of forgiveness in heaven? I'm, I tell you, you, don't, you do not. Does Satan come to heaven and try to get you to trip you up and try to get you to sin? I tell you, no. Heaven's a wonderful place. It's where Jesus is. He, he's at the right hand of God. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Imagine being able to see Jesus. We see him now through the eyes of faith. I guess it would be different there to see him through the eyes of eyes. I bet you'll say, oh, that's why God invented sight. I bet that's what you'll say. He he. He brings people back, but I, he does it very sparingly. And they're onlys. You know, 
the widow of Nain. It's her only son. She's destitute. She has no means of support. It's Jairus' only daughter, his prodigy, his, his chance of keeping his family name and his lineage intact. She dies, he dies, and that's all there is to it. Um, and of course, you know, Lazarus is her only brother. I think he's very reticent, I don't know if that's the right word, careful about who he brings back. But we're all going to sleep in Christ. Um, Absent his return, we're all going to have our chance to sleep. But 1 Corinthians 15 tells us we're not all going to sleep, but we're all going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. People call it the rapture. I like the word resurrection better. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, the great resurrection chapter. The dead in Christ rising first, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught to them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're getting up. I know some people say, well, I don't believe in the rapture. That's why I like to use the word resurrection. I've never met a Christian who says, I don't believe in the resurrection. We're all getting up. Even the, even those who are getting up to more death, and we read about that when we were in Revelation chapter 21, the great white throne judgment. We're, we're all getting up. But here, she gets up and straightway the damsel arose and walked. For she was the age of 12 years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. Here we find out she's 12 years old. How long had the lady had the issue of blood? 12 years. And this kind of connects them. You know, the word daughter connects them. And again, the fact that this, this woman's miracle is bracketed on both ends by the story of Jairus and his daughter, it kind of connects them too. And so I was reading through Blue Letter Bible in the commentary, and I just kind of cut and paste, copied and pasted um, some, okay, the, the lady, uh, it, she's publicly healed. Well, it was kind of very secret until Jesus called her out. And then it became very public. But this is very private, isn't it? And there was some, some contrast all the way down through. And I just said, oh, this guy's done a good job. You can go down through yourself and you know use that as a springboard and add many, many things. Because I think this story, again, are interwoven in some interesting ways. Straightway the damsel rose and walked. She was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with the great astonishment. I think sometimes there's a Bible verse in there that's kind of like, Why would you write that? I mean, it's so obvious. They were astonished with the great astonishment. Why? Because people who die generally don't get up and walk again. And here, for the first time in the Gospel of Mark, we understand that Jesus is the Lord of life and death. He can restore dead people back to life. And again, that's... For your future time, you say, well, what about people who are dead now? They're with the Lord, because Paul says so. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But they haven't physically resurrected, but they will. 
And that, again, we can develop that idea, and there's a lot of verses on that. He charged them straightly that no man should know it. What's that? I don't know. Uh, you remember at the end of uh, the story of the demoniac, verse 19? No, you can't go with, but this is what I want you to do. Go home, tell your friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Tell everybody. Here, don't tell anybody. Maybe he didn't want her to be a sideshow attraction. He didn't want her to be a freak. He didn't want her to, like, you know, her life to be plagued by people who, you know, well, what's it like? What's it? I, 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 I don't know. And you know what's another issue, too, that while we're talking about it? Do we, does she say anything in Scripture? No. Does the widow of Nain's son say anything in Scripture? No. Later on, Peter would uh, heal somebody, uh, raise them from the dead, Dorcas. But her other name is, anyone know what that is? Tabitha. Gazelle. <laughs> Talitha Kumai. He would say Tal Tabitha Kumai. I think it would be very good with that. You know what I mean? Because he's, he's, he's here in this scene, Peter is. Uh, so um, maybe that's it. You know, maybe that that's the whole thing. Just we, they don't have anything. You know, people uh, come back from the dead now, and they have they write books and tell us stories and things like this. In scripture, anyone who comes back from the dead, they have nothing to say. I've always wondered about that. Do they have like a fellowship? Jesus raised me from the dead. Fellowship. She hangs out with the widow of Nain's son, and, and Lazarus is part of the fellowship, and you know they all hang out together like on a monthly basis and share stories or anything. or Who knows that? Does she end up marrying the widow of Nain's son? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I think these things, because my brain is broken in weird ways. But, um, but, but it is interesting to me. They have nothing to say about that. And like I say, anyone who now, they, you can get their DVD series since... 84.50 and three monthly installments of They were greatly astonished. You hang out with Jesus long enough. You do life with Jesus. He's going to you're going to be sometime with your jaw hanging out, you you gobsmacked, just greatly astonished. Just I didn't think wow, God. Cuz he He's the God of the, the great astonishment. No man's going to know it. Give her something to eat. What's that? Because he takes care of, like, he's aware of needs, and she's been dead. She's been sick for a while. Yeah, she's going to need some food. I, I think it's nothing more uh, miraculous than that. Okay, boy, we're done a little earlier than I thought. This is unspeakable. We can't do this. No, we can do this. Uh, so I'll have the worship team come and uh, send us out of here in song. And uh, I'd ask the rest of us to stand, and we'll pray, and you can receive the, the ironic benediction. Father, we thank you for these wonderful stories of, uh, of healing, of restoration. And Lord, uh, those of us who are, you know, as one thing or another, we can, you can be trusted, Lord, to restore. 
you're a good God and you have compassion and you you love us and thank you Lord just for how these stories increase our faith thank you for another insight into the life of Jesus Christ the person of who he is and how gracious you are Lord add these stories to the knowledge of, of you now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee Lord, make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.